Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a Buddhist-oriented path to recovery from addictions. For more information, please visit us at refugerecovery.org. Okay. It says we're live. We're not live. We just record this so that we have a record of it for later. Um, Cece is my door person. Thanks, Cece. Uh, welcome, everyone. Good to see you. We see that Vanessa is driving into the meeting. And welcome, everybody. Um, and we can go ahead and start. For anybody that's here for the first time, this is a quarterly opportunity for uh, Q&A to ask any questions that you have about um, refuge recovery and, and um, infrastructure, world services, policies, uh, issues that are coming up at meetings or in the community or, um, and uh, probably my answer will be take a group conscience and <laughs> figure out what your meeting wants to do about it. But anyways, I'm happy to talk to you and answer with you and, and answer any questions that I can answer and uh, share share my time and perspective with everyone. So the way that it works is that if you have a question, uh, raise your hand in the um, reactions button, and then I will call on you and we will address your question. Erica, go ahead and begin. All right, figured I would just get it over with. Um, okay, there were several questions that came up at our meeting, um, Sunday morning spiritual, um, and I think some of them may have slightly been addressed, but I'm just going to give them to you and then you can tell me your thoughts on each one, maybe. I guess that's how we can do it. Um, okay, so we are understanding the Donna concerns and um, we were talking in our meeting about how we can address this. And some of the things that came up um, to stimulate Donna was maybe to put together some sort of visual aid that talks about <laughs> like percentage of individuals giving versus like, you know, some incentives that, you know, you just can be a dollar a day or, um, so I guess the question along this one was, is there any limitations, guidance, availability of statistics beyond like, like, I don't know if there's a way to do it, like overall, how many people and like in refuge are attending meetings versus how many are actually giving, not in amounts, but actual just um, uh, how many are doing it versus not. I, I don't know. So I'm just, that's a question. Are there statistics like that available? Um, is the conversation open to finding that out and is there any guidelines or limitations in that? Um. It's a good. I, I mean, I I like the suggestion. I think it's it's an interesting and and good suggestion or or thought that the meeting or came up with. Um, we run into the issue of not having good statistics. I, I mean, when you were asking, I I could see some sort of a pie chart of like, well, there's this many people attending and, you know, 10% are donating and, you know, there's this many expenses and the meetings support, you know, 
25% of the nonprofit and the rest has to come from retreats or other places. Or um, So I, I like the idea and it, I think it could be done, but it's tricky because we don't know how many people are attending meetings on a daily basis or weekly basis. There's no attendance taken. Um, you know, we have a general sense of like, well, there's this many online meetings and, you know, some of them have 10 people and some have 50 people in them. But we don't actually know the numbers of how many people are attending regularly. All we know is how many meetings there actually are listed that are actually happening. The um, only reason I had thought, and this might not be accessible at all, but yeah. does Zoom, for instance, say X number of people attended these meetings, like just jumped on? Could it be a minute, but they jumped on? In my head, that's what I was wondering. Is it available? But it might not be. I think the answer to that is yes. And since we do own the Zoom account that all of pretty much all, there's a couple of rogue meetings that are on their own Zoom, but almost all of them are on the World Services Zoom. So that is a something that I bet we could look that up actually. I bet there is a way for us to, to get those numbers. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing is, is that also we could do a deep dive into our accounts and uh, Sebastian and I get the emails and, and every time somebody donates, we get an email and you know, we see them every day and we see that like on a good day, maybe we get 10 donations. And we know that there's over a hundred people going to meetings every day. Yeah. So we know that it's less than 10% of people that are attending meetings are donating, like in a general way. We know that for sure there's more than a hundred people attending meetings, maybe several hundred on some days. Yeah. Um, and that we, you know, some 10, I mean, I don't know if we ever get like 15 or or 20 in a day. Like it's really rare that that many people, and you would think, and I know some people find that surprising of like, wait, I go to this meeting with 50 people, nobody's donating in the meeting. Right. Now the numbers are um, also a little bit off because some people become monthly, say, I don't want to donate at every meeting. So I'm going to give $20 a month or, or whatever. And so those numbers are somewhere in there too, because people who have chosen to donate monthly rather than when they attend meetings. Right. Which I'm one of those people because it just makes my life easier. So but how do you account for that? It's a great question. I, and, and, but yeah. But we could do that too if we actually dug into it and we could say like, well, we have this many monthly donors and then we generally get this many donations a month. And- well, yeah. we, and if we can look at that number and be like, yeah, a thousand people a month are going to meetings and, you know, a hundred people a month are donating <laughs> or whatever it is, then we can guilt people and be like, yeah, 10% or whatever it is, please try to donate if you can. And honestly, I don't even know if it's guilt so much as it is like just awareness, awareness, awareness of what is the reality of the costs versus and and I think some nudge in the direction of like a dollar could make a difference. Yeah. If everyone did a dollar, that could make a huge difference. So something, and, and, you know, even from the retreat, you did this, maybe you pop it up, you screen present it and it's a QR code or something like that. That's an interesting <coughs> option too. 
rather than the link in the um I mean one could be both, right? But yeah. Cause the link takes you to the website where then there's the the links to do it there, but a QR code might be an interesting option. Anyways, um just throw I like it. it. I, I I think the, these are are great suggestions and it is something that I can uh dig into with uh Zoom and look at. I would just be curious for all of us to be like, okay, how many people are logging into refuge recovery Zoom meetings yeah. on a day? You know, I figure like if it's a day, you can think of as new users. If it's a week or a month, you know that there's a lot of people that are going daily. So there's a lot of repeat people, but. Yep. Yeah. All right. So Thank that you. was question one. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Okay, question two, which is probably two part A and B, is the all related to Donna. This all came up because we're trying to figure out what we can do outside the box to help, right? What can we do? So um, I know, and I talked to John over the weekend, not while we were in silence, um, about them doing um, like a auction of sorts. And so it has come up and there's been a brainstorm of ideas. Could it be an auction? Could it be selling t-shirts? Could it be, honestly, I think there's so many creative people here in this community, mm -hmm. like some way of harnessing that and in a collective doing that. So those are the two things that came up. Let me look at my notes, see if there was anything else. Um, Let's see, like doing, yeah, some sort of t-shirt sale, fundraisers, whatever. And so I think the question really is, I think there's a general feeling or understanding that don't give you more shit to do. So yes. Um, and so I think that's the feeling. We don't want to add anything more to your plate or anyone else that's got a load of stuff. But how do we know the guidelines of what is IP we're not allowed to use, we are allowed to use? Um, is there any limitations or guidelines on what we can or cannot do in that framework? Does that make sense? Um, my sense is that it does need to be a little bit um, in maybe uh, case by case. So if you or anyone else, if your meeting has an idea, um, propose it to us at World Services and let us put it through the board to see if there's any objections to it. Okay. So let me ask a question real quick. Van, uh, Vanessa or anybody else that knows about this, Je Jeff, I don't know if you know about this. Um, there are groups that have made t-shirts with the idea of not only sort of supporting their Sangha with the, you know, their own kind of t-shirt. Um, has it worked out? Has, uh, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, like, um, I don't directly know if it has brought much money in um, or if it just covers the cost of making a t-shirt. Vanessa, do you know about that? I do not. I do know a lot of people have made t-shirts, but I don't know how much income they've generated. Yeah. I'll Jeff, do you have any? I, oh, maybe Jeff. Oh, I, no, go ahead. Who is that? It's Colette. I do know that the Moon Day Warriors has, has donated about $300 through their t-shirt. Okay, so that's a that's a something that's a thing. Yeah, thanks, Colette. Jeff, what did you want to say about it? Do you have something to say? Um, yeah, that's that's good news. It, from um, from my experience, it's been a little bit sticky. Um, groups making their own shirts, and then 
you know, trusting the money to be to go to the right places and having a group conscience that's actually followed through and all that stuff. Refuge recovery has merch, you know, and uh, and um, I'd like to see that being sold, you know, and because uh, we know that's kind of cleaner. Um, that said, and there, there's one group uh, that I know that made a, a, a design and the design was like totally inappropriate, you know, so it got kind of got shot down eventually. Uh, oh, Custom Inc. is a company that does, uh, you know, drop ship for designs and stuff. And they have a special thing that you can um, uh, use that platform for raising money for a certain cause. So they handle it. You know, any any money over the cost goes to refuge recovery, which is really cool. That is that is one of the thoughts that I had too. Custom Inc. I forgot. I didn't know the website. So that's great. Um, okay. I'm just gonna take a note of it. So I have into. one more, one more sort of. Um, and just a caveat on that, like the thing is, and I don't know if we've said this at the Q and A before, but uh, I think the, one of the differences is in like 12-step programs they own the rights to their book so the sale of their book generates a lot of income for their organization whereas we don't uh you know the publisher owns our book is that correct noah yes but we get the book at wholesale and um even when we sell it to the groups we mark it mm -hmm. up about i think we make two or three dollars a book even when you're buying it at the group discount so that's one way that brings a little bit of money in and then we encourage meetings, and I don't feel like this has translated that well, but the encouragement is um, buy the book at the discount. You know, you buy it for eight or nine dollars, maybe it's 10. I'm not sure what it is. And then we encourage you to try to sell it in your meetings for the $17 so that your meeting makes three dollars off of the book. Now there's, again, I maybe connected like Vanessa is saying to the 12 step, there can be a tradition of like, let's give the book away. People are new. Get, everybody should have a book, which is great if somebody's in the meeting that actually can't afford the book. But what ends up happening is people who can and will buy the book for $17, get it for free rather than that money coming to support the meeting and, and world services. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, okay, you, it might be interesting if we put together a visual that we pop up during meetings during this, Donna, to also put a link to any merch sales as like, uh, but I don't know if that would distract, but it's just a thought. We could put another link or a QR code for that um, in whatever we're putting up as a visual. Um, and then the last piece is how do you feel or are there any boundaries or guidelines on having some sort of committee um, that would be take this to the side and take in all maybe the ideas and and sort of do this together because what what I'm finding John's you're clapping but you know John's doing all this work and learning all this stuff it would be nice to leverage off of that and have one sort of source of information so that whatever we learn we can disseminate to other people and um, maybe have a combined effort of sorts cross Sangha. Um, I think that it would be cool to do that. Maybe the best way would be if you could um, get one of the board members to be part of that um, so that there is a kind of world services board perspective 
uh, as part of that so that you guys don't spin your wheels too much with stuff that we're going to be like, nope, can't do that. Uh, and so that you kind of have that in the conversation with someone like Vanessa or Seho or Russ. Um, you know, if you could get one of those three to be part of that committee, uh, you could ask them directly or I could pass it on. We have Vanessa here. I don't know. She has the time for that. But um, my sense would be the best way to, to do a, a side committee would to be have a World Services board member as part of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, John, I feel like John has a comment related to this. Is it okay to sure. have him? Okay, go, John. Thank you. Um, so in a way, we do have a rogue committee going currently, um, and we have reached out in this question in the past for, uh, and we reached out to Sebastian with this, and, uh, and I know um, Brittany actually had reached out to Sebastian separately because she felt like we are kind of a rogue situation doing this too. We notice send for approval to Sebastian uh, that he would send it through World Services, but there was not a, there was never even a response back after that last uh, request asking if there was somebody from the board that could kind of sit on the committee with us. Um, but we currently do have, I think, like four or five of us that are in pretty much a planning committee that we've started doing. Uh, we're we're actually going to be having a, a new meeting on it coming up shortly in the next uh, week, I think, for that we want we have a date and stuff picked. For uh, for like a game night with a with what is it, a silent auction included in it to try to raise some money. Are you so, this group communicating through Zoom meetings or through chat or how? So we're communicating through Zoom that we're going to be sitting together and going through it. I don't know if Vanessa wants to join us. I know she's driving right now. Um, but if uh, if we could get somebody on World Services to actually join us in one of these meetings. Um, and kind of just give us a little bit of a guidance, you know, it would be fantastic. Vanessa, you got any bandwidth for that? When is it? Um, we could we could schedule a data around your schedule because we just planned to actually start our meetings on it after the silent retreat that we just had this last week. Yeah, I can so, donate. I can I can donate some time towards this cause. Um, just private message me, and then we'll schedule a time. I'll send you my uh, cell phone number Thanks. and then that's perfect. Thank you. John, you Thank you. You know, I'm interested. Can you just add yep. me to? Okay. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I'll, uh, and I'll link you on it. I sent you an invite to our meeting this week, Erica, but uh, we didn't end up meeting after it. So. Okay. It's all good. I was. It, thank you. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, I think that's it. So I, I mean, unless you have any other additional thoughts or feedback on it. Um, you know, I've always felt like this will happen slowly, organically. We don't have any real statistics of how many of the 12-step meetings um, that have been around for, you know, 80, 90 years now actually donate to World Services in like Alcoholics Anonymous or something. But I'd imagine it's also um, a... a a small number, not all of them actually, not all of the money actually gets to the nonprofit, which is just how it goes with peer led groups and money disappears and people don't donate. And um, so I feel like, you know, as we grow, um, this will organ, I hope I continue to feel like as we grow and we go from, you know, hundreds of meetings to thousands of meetings at some point, 
that the you know that 10% will be a lot you know but i love the thought like can we get it to 25% of people donating uh and i see there's a comment here in the chat about concern around excluding people who need us but simply don't have financial ability at this time and we don't want it to you know that feels like subtle shaming and i'm very sensitive of that too like everyone's welcome we don't want to do we don't want to push too hard in the uh donna fundraising thing we want everyone to feel welcome but also we want to encourage generosity it's one of our principles uh for the people who can't afford a couple bucks or five bucks or or more so it's finding that balance of everyone's welcome regardless of ability to donate and that also donating is how we support this thing and how it continues and so but it's a, it is something to be, I agree, like something to be aware of and make yeah. sure that we're we're straddling that line very carefully or nudging up against that line very carefully. So because we would never want anyone to not come because they couldn't afford it. That's so not the message. Well, and, you know, there's a lot of conditioning that I have and other people have from the 12 step world that says, you know, every group has to be self-supporting through their own contributions. And there's no fundraising or any of that done in, in the 12 step world. Uh, for the most part, it's all just donations in the basket. And if that's not enough to support the meeting, then you shouldn't have the meeting kind of thing, um, which, you know, has its own problems. Um, we are a little bit more open to being creative and what kind of, we don't have that as one of our guiding principles. It doesn't say you can't do any, but we, you know, but meetings, you know, could, you know, could be self-supporting and could do some fundraising, uh, in simple ways. Um, but there's a line. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for caring, Erica and, and John, and for being willing to, help us in this way. And uh, thank you, Vanessa, for being willing to sit in on their meeting and uh, kind of give them some support and guidance on it. Thank you. Cool. Uh, Jonathan. Good afternoon, evening. Uh, yeah, thanks for the space. So my, my question, whatever topic is around, so we've got a bunch of affinity meetings starting up, right? Like we've got a few codependency meetings, sex and love meetings, food meetings, et cetera. And of course, like the refuge literature is like spells out the program and the solution plenty well, right? There's like, there's like a gap, however, with some of the like identification stuff, you know, like of like a lot of people like not even knowing, like, am I codependent? Am I a sex and love addict? What does that mean? What does that look like? And so, you know, like I, I suspect there's like probably not a, any kind of caveat, even within the autonomy of groups to bring in, like, say, another book to use for those specific meetings, or maybe there is, and you can tell me that I'm wrong. Um, but I'm wondering if there is some kind of, if there's something we can adopt, you know, like, one of my ideas last night was that, you know, much like um, adopt something from like sex and love addicts, characteristics of sex and love addiction, but like write them in our refuge language, and, you know, pump that up. For example, um so at this time it's not okay to bring in any other kind of literature or other uh, outside literature that's one of the essential elements that we're we're not allowing um for the reason that it will open the door to some really good stuff and some not so good stuff so we're just going to not open that door right now in in meetings um as far as us 
adopting that. We, we're kind of in that process. Vanessa and I were um, recently looking at, uh, I have a pamphlet on codependency that uh, Vanessa and Seho created and that I'm editing to uh, bring a little bit more refuge language into it. Um, and then Vanessa and I were looking at like, well, what is, you know, that, that checklist that you're asking about Jonathan for, of like, well, how does, how does Al-Anon do it? You know, where people identify, what are the questions or how does codependency, uh, CODA do it? You know, so we've been looking at some of those and looking at, you know, do, how much of it resonates of it um, doesn't. So the answer is yes, Refuge Recovery World Services will create more of those kind of pamphlets for um, the affinity and the process addictions uh, specifically around like, here's some things for around, um, you know, sex addiction or sex and love addiction or codependency or, uh, or food addiction. Uh, but it's a pretty slow process, um, and I'm to blame on some level for that because I'm pretty slow at creating literature and don't um, just want to throw stuff out there too quickly. So, but it it will come eventually. If you have, you know, or anyone else in the community has specific resources that you feel um, could be useful and, and easily adopted. I'm very open to receiving those and looking at them and seeing if there is a way for me to um, put the refuge recovery stamp right. uh, and, and, and language <clears throat> to it. I'm, I'm open to that. So that would refer then to like some, like something short, like, like, like a characteristics list or something like this, rather than a so I guess, like, I know, you know, like you talked about the, uh, like the literature thing being like a hard no, but I guess I was curious as to like, that's not even a possible thing with like discernment or like running through the board. I mean, like, and, and I guess I, I repeat it only because like, and not that it shouldn't take time to create this sort of document and literature, yeah. but it's just that like in the interim, I think there's like a lot of people suffering and a lot of our members that are, that are like refuge members, you know, like sure they can go other meetings but like i don't think everyone i don't some people like this is their home you know yeah yeah i mean i feel like we could put a bit more urgency on creating some of those checklists um and i could use some um, help from members in the community who have a greater sense of of that stuff. I mean, it's, it is one of the problems um, that I'm not as familiar with process addictions as I am, you know, my own experiences is substance, you know, so, you know, I, I know I, I create, I open this, you know, I said, hey, of course, Buddhism will work for all forms of addiction, <laughs> uh, but then the book primarily talks about, um, you know, the craving and not the manifestation in particular behaviors. So um, anyways, open to it. And yes, it, it is. I mean, of course, we can always bring it back to to the board, but it is a pretty clear um, no to outside literature in meetings at this point. Um, 
Cool. Could change. Yeah, I mean, you know, everything's impermanent, so it could change. Right, but right. That is where that's where we've been landing so far. That's cool. Yeah, and I mean, for my part, I'd be willing to do some of that legwork on the characteristic stuff as well, and, and then present something. Yeah, if you would, you know, send it to me, uh, or you yeah. mean, send it to admin at Refuge Recovery, and it'll come totally. across my desk, and um, I'd be happy to look at it and communicate with you some about it. Cool. Thanks, Noah. Thanks, Jonathan. Jeff. Thanks, Noah. Um, God, what a great meeting so far. Good topics. And so it's awesome to see so much enthusiasm for service. You know, um, just quickly on, on the donation thing, it's 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 not missed on me that like passing the basket in an in-person meeting. Maybe there's some subtle shaming there, but I, I bet that there's more uh, uh, donations coming out of out of those than uh, than the online because I don't know the nature of that. Um, so one solution is if there's no in-person meeting in your area, you know, maybe be inspired to go out and start one. Um, so I, what I want to bring up is a little bit uh, by proxy. Uh, he couldn't be here today because of work, but. Um, Philip C and I meet regularly, and this this is a, a coming out of a conversation between us, and it's resurrecting an old uh, idea and element that Refuge Recovery had. Um, and I want to say like thanks Noah and the board and our and our kind of new structure of having structure and having a board, having you involved. And I know it seems like. It, it might be a hindrance to progress for people that like want to create literature and want to you know have things to committees and all that stuff um but i've been around long enough to see all those good intentions go really bad really quickly because they get they get so watered down we can't um keep a keep a hold on them so i get it that said um we used to have a monthly newsletter and it's been a long time since we've had a newsletter of any kind um and one of the things that Philip and I both like in meetings are the speaker meetings and having a speaker uh, or having individual members of Refugee Recovery have an opportunity to tell their stories. And once a month, our former uh, executive director would invite you know people to come and write their stories. And there was a committee that did like a what reminded me of like the school newspaper. Uh, and every month they'd put together uh, someone's story, um, some highlights from the uh, upper organization, the board, um, maybe new meetings that started up that month um, might be a great place to show uh, how we're doing on donations, as, you know, even if it's a, a vague snapshot. Um, so I just want to propose the idea of resurrecting a, a monthly newsletter and there are people willing to go to work if that happens. Who's volunteering to be the editor? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the job, what the job description of editor is i'll be honest but uh philip editor uh, publisher uh yeah uh you know philip has the uh the willingness and probably the talent to be put in the front philip uh chastain down in uh north carolina that's the one i'd okay. be happy to talk to philip about it i think it's a great idea um i haven't really had the bandwidth to do it myself um, I would serve as the executive editor of it, but I'm willing to do that if someone else is willing to do the work. I've also thought and haven't put this out publicly, but I'll say it here. Um, I have a handful of stories for the 
second edition of the book. And it would be good to um, put it out to the community to say, anybody that wants to write their story, write it and send it in. And some of them might be used for the book. Some of them might be used for the newsletter. Some of them uh, will just go into the uh, delete file. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, that just uh, if we started collecting more personal narratives with stories, um, you know, some of them might make it into the second edition of the refuge book. And then the rest we could, you know, probably most of them we could use for this newsletter idea. Uh, if we're going to need, you know, if we're going to do it monthly and need 12 stories a year, um, you know, it's quite a bit. Yeah, so, I, I think we, we, uh, we meaning you. Uh, started a, a, a quarterly uh, newsletter, and I looked just before the meeting. I looked, and I think the last one was like late in 2021 or something. But but even then, it was nice to see what's happening, and 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 that the, we have a website that we can archive it and kind of track our growth. It would be interesting to see in uh, in five years from now where we were at today. Well, the newsletter has. I mean, there's you know, there's one that went out in November or December, like late last year in 22, but it's not really a newsletter. It's just an email that says, here's the upcoming retreats. Yeah, It's more of a, you know, it, it doesn't have the news in it. It just has the uh, schedule in it. <laughs> yeah. so, and and uh, with, a, with a digital format, you could throw a little video in there and do all kinds of fun shit. Yeah. And highlight some meetings and some stuff. Um, you know, one of the hesitants that I have in this, Jeff, is um and you know what they had been doing previously is that they were really um focused they were putting pictures of members and they were there was doing a little bit of something that felt a little bit like um uh, you know personal prestige a little bit if you were in the newsletter yeah and i wanted to move away from identifying individuals as any kind of spokespersons for refuge recovery. Um, yep. So my sense is that we could do, and we're not anonymous, so it, it's not like it needs to be Jeff C, um, but um, I have some hesitance on starting to, you know, kind of promote the way that Gene was doing previously uh, individuals in the program. So we could do the stories with just first names and without the kind of photographs and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm with you. I saw that and and uh, I'm afraid of it too. Yeah. yeah. But I do like the newsletter idea and I will talk to Philip about it. Um, I do think that we could get a, a little committee, a little newsletter committee together that could mostly do it. And then me and Sebastian could put the World Services uh, announcements in there that need to be in there. And we could, you know, blast it out. It's just a not a print newsletter, just an e-newsletter, but yeah. Cool. Glad you're open to it. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks, Jeff. Jesse, go ahead. Uh, you've already answered my question, but I'll ask it anyways. So I'm the group rep for the Saturday Morning Live New York. And they were uh, making creating group conscience around adding things to the format, the meeting format. Um, and somebody asked if we knew whether or not you were still supporting, like adding readings from the refuge book at the end of meetings, if people, if you're still supporting groups to read a passage. On page, uh, what is it? On page 231, you say at the end, 
of the closing readings that if people, if groups want, they can add, choose a short passage to read from Refuge Recovery. So the group was wondering if you're still supporting that. At the end of the meeting? Yeah. I think that that didn't make it into the new format, that that's in the book and the old format. Um, but sure, if, if people want to do that, it's, you know, as long as groups have a lot of autonomy to do whatever they want with the format in the meeting, as long as it's from, you know, from the refuge book. Um, people, you know, generally there's the sort of general format where somebody reads a section and then shares on it and then we do the open sharing. But that reading could be done at the end. You know, usually the meditation is done at the beginning. Some meetings have chosen to say, hey, let's do the reading first. Let's meditate at the end. So all of those kind of pieces can be rearranged with group conscience. Um, and the reading can happen in the beginning, in the middle, or the end, or both, or whatever the group wants. There's also the book study where the kind of meeting is just reading and discussing. Um, so it's 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 totally okay to do that. I don't know if I, I do support it. I don't know if I encourage it, <laughs> but it's not, it's certainly not against any of our, our principles to do something like that. And I guess in, in response, thank you for answering the question. In response to creating funds, have, has the conversation of offering stickers as merch? It doesn't look like, I think that would be- I think really Vanessa good. recently threatened that if I didn't get the stickers made, um, she was gonna do it herself or so, I don't know. But um, yeah. yes, oh, here, here's an interesting one that will like derail our whole meeting. Um, recovery uh, tokens. So there's been a conversation for years about, should we have recovery coins? Or, Maybe little Buddhas. Or little Buddhas, or should we have like a, you know, like a, a Buddhist bracelet with like, well, I've got a month, so I have the pink one, or I've got the, you know, um, should we do some trinket? You know, in NA, they do the keychains. In AA, they do the coins. Here was my suggestion. I was like, let's do dog tags, refuge recovery dog tags. I've got a year. I got my black dog tag or, you know, but it's controversial because um, although it's not explicitly forbidden anywhere in the book to celebrate time, it is intentionally absent from our literature. We don't ask for newcomers. We don't ask for time. Um, I intentionally said, you know, the, the relapse shaming that happens, the um, false hierarchy that happens around people that have, you know, long time but don't have much ethics, <laughs> you know. Um, so I've always been a little cautious about it, but when it comes to fundraising, it would be great if meetings were buying dog tags or chips or something like that. It would totally support world services and half of the community would love it. They'd be like, Rad, I got my thing. I want my thing to, you know, I earned my, you know, sober trinket. And the other half of the community is going to be like, oh, this is bullshit. Why are we doing this and create celebrating time and creating these false hierarchies and relapse shaming and you know all of that stuff that happens so i've been on the fence about it forever 
and here we are almost nine years in, I'm still kind of on the fence about it. I know that wasn't your question, Jesse. The question was about stickers. Yes, we can do stickers and I will get some stickers made this year, I promise. Yes. Do stickers that say five years. <laughs> yeah. Lydia, go ahead. <laughs> Trying to unmute myself without like clicking all the stuff coming up in the chat. Um, yeah, just really awesome uh, stuff that's been brought up so far. Um, really pretty interesting. Um, but I guess, so my question um, to you is um, something that's come up that I've heard from a few people recently, and I'm just kind of curious to get your perspective or feedback on is um, people that are, that, that are coming to Zoom meetings who don't necessarily really identify as with a specific addiction and are um, coming in more with some struggling with mental health stuff. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking like um, suicide ideation mm -hmm. and had gotten some feedback like from, from other members saying, oh, hey, this isn't for, you know, the, the refuge isn't for mental health. You know, you, you need to have some sort of identif identifiable addiction or something. And so, I, I mean, when I heard that, I was like, well, fuck, is an addiction a, a mental health issue? <laughs> like, don't we all have mental health issues? Um, so I guess just, I guess my question is, is, is refuge not for, for someone? I mean, my, my sort of impression is it's for, for anybody that feels that it's, it's for them. Or what's your perspective on that? Such a interesting dilemma because the Dharma is of course a healing modality for everyone and um, refuge recovery is specifically for addicts recovering from addiction and we, you know all we're doing is practicing the Dharma the Buddha's teachings um, in our own you know specific way uh, that doesn't exist, you know, the, the problem, you know, and this is the same thing, like people have said this forever about 12 step of like, there should be a 12 step program for non addicts and alcoholics, like, because everybody needs the 12 steps. And so the, the conversation is starting to, you know, uh, refuge too, like there should be refuge for everyone. And on some level, there is, it's called Buddhism. <laughs> and, but we can't just say that, because Buddhism in America doesn't provide the kind of peer-led support that refuge recovery does. You know, it's teacher-led and it's um, hierarchical and some of the traditions are really fucked up and corrupted. And, um, you know, refuge does have something special that of course is a, you know, wonderful support for somebody who's going through uh, mental health, suicidal ideation, um, depression, anxiety, all of that. Like what a great community to find support and love and encouragement and practice in. But our, um, you know, our real purpose is to recover from addiction and the suffering that addiction creates in our lives. And, you know, our, our kind of uh, the, the group unity 
necessary um, is uh, around our common dukkha, our common suffering, which is the suffering of addiction. Uh, whether it's manifesting in relationships or substances or food or sex or money or power, or however it's. So, you know, our, our thing is all are welcome. The only qualification for membership is a desire to be free from addiction. Now, there's some interpretation there, right? Of like, well, I'm not an addict, but I'm, I have the desire to be free from addiction. It doesn't really fit, mm. right? Because, yeah, or, or does it? I don't know. Maybe it's open to interpretation of oh. can somebody who doesn't identify as an addict have the desire to be free from addiction if they mm -hmm. don't experience addiction? Well, I guess it's also like how, how each person defines addiction. Like, I'm just thinking like, so if some, if someone has like, say their OCD have obsessive compulsive disorder and it's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a mental health issue, you know, diagnosed mental health issue, but it's like, I would, you know, if that was something I would, I would struggle. If I struggled with something like that, I feel like that I would see that as that's like, it's compulsion. That's addiction to me. That's compulsive behavior and patterns. Well, we, and we have that whole chapter that says what we're really trying to do is break addiction to our minds. And, you know, that that's when we're talking about um, mental health, mental illness, it's, you know, it is the identification and the addiction with the mind that is the core uh, cause of suffering is, uh, and, and breaking, you know, our addiction to the mind will lead to a tremendous amount of freedom. But we can't, uh, you know, we, we can't go too wide. You know, there is that sort of like, I don't, this isn't really the right saying, but like trying to be everything to everyone um, just is, is too, we do need to keep our focus in, you know, even what we've done of saying all forms of addiction and, you know, John's question, Jonathan's question earlier and, you know, the issues with like the literature being, you know, not totally addressing the different process addictions. It's already, we're already doing something so wide. Mm -hmm. I continue to have the feeling like that, like we need to just with what we're doing for addicts of all flavors um, is huge. And I don't know that we can go much beyond that with this structure. Right on, cool. Um, you know, that having been said, people are, you know, can still come. They just might not feel as much a part of it because the conversation is about addiction and recovery. Mm, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate getting your thoughts on that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I mean, the all are welcome thing is all are welcome. Yeah. Then there's the only qualification for membership, <laughs> desire to be free from addiction. Mm. All are welcome. I know. Thanks, Thank Noah. Yeah, nice to see you. Andrea, go ahead. Um, hi there, I'm Andrea. I recognize a lot of people here. Um, Noah, I'm meeting you kind of face to face for the first time. Um, I'm a newly elected um, group rep for two of um, two of our groups. And this is my first time attending. Um, I've got two issues to bring up. One um, was, I think, already partially addressed with Jonathan's question of changing wording or um, with the hard no about bringing in 
outside literature. <clears throat> Issues that I've raised and others have raised in the groups that I attend are um, focused on um, using additional meditations that are Buddhist based. So, and this kind of speaks to Lydia's issue as well. So while I love all the meditations and the whole Buddhist approach and have been practicing for many years, <clears throat> I also suffer from anxiety, you know? So, um, <clears throat> you know, part of the inventory process and, and part of the, the, eight no uh, the Four Noble Truths is understanding the conditions that led to addiction. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that mental health issues are often part of that. Or even, <clears throat> I don't really give a shit about the DSM-4 and all that kind of labeling. And I know that I've been the benefit of um, other meditations that kind of zero more in on the moment that one may be struggling or suffering. And so, for instance, there's a meditation I listened to on surrender. And the real message, the practice of that meditation is the practice of non-attachment. And it's been very, very useful for me. Another meditation I really love is a meta meditation. You know, it's all on meta, but it's um, the title of it is Awakening Courage. So that's another way of helping to deal with anxiety that's not necessarily specific to anything, but I think also generalizes anyone who suffers. Um, and I understand that your time resources and mental resources are limited. And, you know, my thought about how you might answer would be, well, because I've heard from other people that you've been trying to work on that. It's like, well, send me a meditation and I'll give it the stamp of approval or the stamp of, nah, this isn't going to work. Um, when you do the mindfulness, so we have, I think, six or seven mindfulness practices in refuge. Um, they don't land for you the same way that the letting go meditation lands for you? Because oh, there's a, because that's the intention. The intention of mindfulness is to see the impermanent nature of what's happening in the present moment. And um, the outcome is letting go of, by, by identifying impermanence. Um, and and also we have the loving kindness, all of the heart practices, the loving kindness practices. So I, I'm I'm in no way uh, wanting to say that like we couldn't use some different angles. And there is something about um, you know meditations, even if you've heard them, hearing it with a little bit different language. And in several of the meditations, I say something like, you know, if if these words don't resonate, you find your own. You know, if these these traditional loving kindness phrases, may I be happy, may I be at ease, may I be free from suffering, if those resonate, use them. If you have some other phrases that resonate for you around courage, the courage to let go or the courage to be kind, or um, then you can put those in yourself. Um, so um, I, 
and I am open and you know at, at some point I've been procrastinating uh honestly but at some point there will be a second edition of the book and I'm open to expanding the meditations and and like you said um uh you know if if somebody has a really good idea for a meditation they send it to me I might be able to edit it a little bit and 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 see if it's appropriate if I feel that it's appropriate um yeah, I think, I mean, sorry to interrupt you. No, I was finished. Um, I appreciate your thoughts on that. <clears throat> and I think the secondary issue about the suggestion is that I, I know that if I'm not fully present, which happens, <laughs> sometimes it happens more often than not, then I can kind of tone out, you know, tune out to the meditation because I've done it so many times. Now, if I'm fully present, then I will have a fresh experience of that meditation each time. Um, but I just know for myself that, um, yeah, changing the language, <clears throat> focusing more on like language of non-attachment um, or and more on let's focus on the concept of meta and non-attachment and phrase a meditation around that may help people approach the same idea from a slightly different angle, if you will. I so mean, I, um, I'd be yeah. happy to um, try to develop one or two for you and I'll send it your way. And I don't wanna take up too much of the, the group time on that. Yeah. Please do. I mean, my, one of my thoughts about this is, uh, you know, it's it's one of the dilemmas about what we're trying to do in this peer-led thing. Um, you know, I I have been teaching for twenty years, and I teach every week, and um, and I give the same instructions pretty much every week, but I give them in a little bit of a different way because I'm not going by a script. I'm going intuitively from the moment. So even though you you know those who people who sit with me regularly have heard my instructions over and over, they're never gonna hear the same exact meditation twice because I'm coming from the present time in the order and the, you know, the way that I presented and the little pieces, it's the same material, but it's not the exact. And in refuge, we don't, right? Because we have a script that doesn't change, it's the same one forever. <laughs> Right. Um, and I totally hear that dilemma that we are all in with that kind of, here's the instructions. Um, and it can be helpful to hear instructions from a different angle uh, at different times. I just did a retreat with my teacher a couple, a few weeks ago, um, and I've been sitting with him for 30 years. Wow. And it's the same instructions. <laughs> But of course, you know, he's doing it in a different way because he's doing it intuitively from the present moment. But Buddhism doesn't change. <laughs> you know, it just, you know, it's just, it's the same non-attachment, compassion, forgiveness. But it can be so helpful to hear that encouragement to non-attachment, compassion, forgiveness, equanimity, loving kindness uh, for, in a different way, or for, even from a different voice. You know, it's it's helpful. Like. Um, I would hope that some of the rotating leadership, so important for everybody to remember, important for somebody different each week to read the meditation. That way, even though they're in the same instructions, at least you're hearing it in a different voice. 
and that person will read it a little bit differently. I know that there are some secretaries or people in meetings that really like leading the meditation, so they end up doing it every time. They're always like, I'll do it. Um, part of this you know, issue that Andrea is bringing up, important for us to hear it in different voices with different um, you know, timing and all of that stuff, even though it's the same instructions. Um, you know, this is also something that, you know, Jeff's suggestion about uh, uh, the um, newsletter, I'm not committing to this, but it could be an interesting idea to put the, like, I could kind of put a new meditation in every month. That would be interesting to be like, not only do we have this newsletter, here's the meditation of the month, which is just mindfulness, but it's a little bit different than the mindfulness we've been doing for the last 10 years. <laughs> it's got a little bit of a different languaging to it. Um, it might become confusing to be like, well, is it in the book or is it on the newsletter or is it on the web? You know, where is it or whatever? But I'm open to that. I think that it's a, it's a valid question and concern for us to like hear it in different ways. Um, so thank you for bringing it up. And it does inspire me to, uh, because I, I do, I, I can have a little bit of an attitude of like, the instructions are the instructions. <laughs> and we just got to continue them for the rest of our lives. You know, and it's mindfulness and it's the heart practices and it will lead to liberation. And it's the same old fucking instructions I've been listening to for 35 years. And you're going to listen to for 35 years. <laughs> but the presentation is important. And, the, and, and that dilemma that we have around... Uh, we're just, you know, sharing the same script that I created 10 years ago, and it hasn't changed at all. Yeah, I, I'm a former uh, professor. And, um, you know, knew my material so well that it would come out differently. <clears throat> because being in the moment, you know, you have different students, it's, it's a different situation. But I also intuitively knew how to adapt the material based on the people who were present and learned how to say things differently. Um, but I think that may be a tall order for a lot of people to be able to do if they haven't had experience doing it or, or something else. And we don't want people um, in meetings um, freestyling. Right. You know, it, it comes back to the issue around literature um, and pretty soon people are, you know, chanting Hare Krishna in the meeting because it's a free for all. Right. Not that there's anything wrong with chanting Hare Krishna. It's just not what we're doing. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why it, there is a sort of stick to the script in, you know, encouragement. Um, and because there's, you know, there's a hand, you know, there's someone like, Jeff Camozzi, who's with us tonight, and other people who, you know, are meditation teachers and could lead a, a really wonderful meditation without the script. But then it opens to someone else who's not a qualified meditation teacher and is going to put some stuff in there that doesn't actually fit with what we're doing. Oh, I totally get that and appreciate that and agree with it. And that's why <clears throat> I do... I'm submitting this suggestion with the mind of getting the stamp of approval and making it 
part of the entire sanga, yeah. part of the entire. So, um, like the the one kind of newer meditation that's been around for a year or two now is the self forgiveness, mm. which came from you know a group a first Thursday I think that I was leading, and then somebody transcribed it and said, "Can we use this as a script in the meetings?" And so then I went and looked at the transcription and I edited it a tiny bit, and I was like, "Yeah, this is." you know, fine, we can, and now it's sort of making its round as a new meditation, the self-forgiveness is in there. Um, and so we can do things like that and get some fresh uh, scripts yeah. into some of the meetings. And maybe the newsletter is a good way to do that. Okay, well, awesome. Yeah. I just have one other um, question for you. Um, I'm one of the renegades that had a marathon New Year's Eve. <laughs> um, refuge recovery meeting. Um, and we thought of it too late to get it made official, but we did follow most of the guidelines. Um, and in that, and it was great, but we did it one hour meeting, one hour parking lot, because the intention was to be a resource or a refuge for anyone struggling, you know, for the 10 hours, um, basically um helping east coast and west coast and everything in between and one issue came up in one of those meetings which was age and there were some kids i think they were 17 years old or so they were under 18 and wanted to attend and they were kicked out and so i've never heard this issue brought up before um and I can see both sides of the issue, you know, yes and no, and just wanted your thoughts on that. Why they were kicked out because of age? Or because uh, of Nancy's shaking her head. So maybe I misunderstood. Um, but it still brings up an interest, you know, an issue that I haven't heard raised before. You know, is there an age limit? Because aside from saying the word fuck a lot, you know, in some of the meetings, um, I haven't ever heard anything in a, you know, that's all are, appropriate. All are welcome. Okay. Thank you. There's a desire that there shouldn't be any issues around age. I, I got sober in 12-step um, in my teens. I started getting sent by the courts in the United States of America to attend 12-step meetings when I was 13 years old. And I got sober when I was 17 years old and have stayed sober. And um, teenagers are welcome. You know, I, I thought where your question was going to go, and it's been brought up before, is, um, should, you know, young people's meetings. And we should have some refuge recovery young people's meetings. I, you know, I, th those are awesome. We just need some young people to step up and be like, you know, those teenagers that came to the New Year's or whatever start some young people's meetings and then, you know, build that community uh, of the, you know, because um, there are lots of young people that are interested in refuge recovery. And a lot of the uh, adolescent treatment centers uh, report to me that I've spoken to that like refuge is the most popular thing. They don't want to hear about the 12 steps. They want to do refuge. Um, so we should provide more, you know, encouragement and support for, for the young people. Um, but and nobody should be kicked out of a refuge recovery meeting for any reason other than inappropriate behavior 
not, not they weren't not kicked out, out Noah they were they not weren't. kicked out okay, okay. No. um so just I'll end with this and thank you for that young people idea because one of the things I did in my past career um was tra uh, was in peer mediation and we worked in elementary middle and high schools with adult supervision training the kids to actually be the mediators with the other kids and it was so much more effective than an adult mediating those cases because the kids were with their peers and felt safer and they had the same language etc cetera, etc cetera. so that's an awesome idea and um yeah if any of you you know run into some young people at you know that are really getting involved on zoom meetings or or other places encourage them to to you know propose a you know a zoom meeting for young adults you know young people um you know the trick there then gets uh when they want to kick out the adults <laughs> <laughs> you know and yeah, totally. you know, this this sort of you know, the same thing in the in the um gender groups or any of the identity you know um groups where it's like, well, if there's a women's meeting, are we allowed to kick out the men? Or if it's a men's meeting, are we allowed to, if it's a kids, you know, young adult meeting, can we say nobody over 35? Or is it young at heart? Like, if, you know, they're, they're, these issues start to come in with the affinity groups, but um, usually they work themselves out. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Welcome. Nancy, go ahead. Nancy and Chris, and then we'll end. And if anybody needs to go, I understand. Chris was first, Noah. Oh. Okay. I was, oh, thanks, Nancy. Thanks, everyone. I have a question about crosstalk and what the most compassionate way to deal with that is. Um, I, I mean, I don't know, but, <laughs> you know, it depends on also our definition of crosstalk. There are some meetings who have adopted, who uh, I think in that format that we put on, it just said, you know, crosstalk is commenting on or offering advice. Um, some meetings that I go to have changed that language to negatively commenting on or offering advice because there is a, a longstanding tradition of being like, Chris, I really liked what you said and I really related to it. and. And that could be considered crosstalk, you know, like uh, just commenting on, well, you know, you, you were talking about, you know, grief and I, I've got a lot of grief and, you know, that sort of, but it's like very positive and it's not, not um, a negative comment on a crosstalk like that or offering advice. If somebody is, you know, being negative, uh, negatively commenting on and saying, hey, you're, you know, you know what you were sharing, that's totally wrong and you don't understand or um, technically it's the um, secretary and the group reps responsibility to intervene. If, you know, especially if it's becoming abusive in any way or, but even just with crosstalk to just kind of like pop on and say, you know, um, feels like crosstalk, please come back to, speaking from I statements, <laughs> you know, something like that, uh, you know, and, and, and as kind of a way as, as you can. Now that might, you know, anytime we get interrupted, we might feel offended, but it is the um, secretary, door person, group rep, somebody that has a service position at that meetings. Um, it's part of their uh, duty to do that. 
And then if they're not, any member actually can, it's peer led, like any member can unmute themselves if they have the power or, you know, stand up in an in-person meeting and say, you know, this feels like crosstalk. And it's against our principles to crosstalk and, and just leave it there, you know, in a, in a, uh, Thank you. And hopefully, hopefully the person, you know, some, you know, sometimes it's going to throw fuel on it and they're going to be, you know, get irate. And then, then the group rep or the secretary needs to say, well, now we need to ask you to leave or the door person needs to, you know, mute them or something like that. But. Thank you. Yeah, we do need, we do need to. So it's so tricky because we do need to self govern in the meetings um, but then also there's, you know, we don't want to get too many control issues in there and, you know, people who are getting off on telling people to shut up. It was advice. Right. That's yeah. regularly, you know, and it was asked of me as group rep to bring it up. I yeah. just made the definition of crosstalk and kind of passed it on. Yeah. And did it help? I think it offended. Yeah. Which was hard. Yeah. I just don't want to keep, you know, push somebody away yeah. for doing it. But thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, no advice giving in meetings, but it's it's a little bit inevitable, you know. Um, and so then sometimes we just have to sit back and spend our two minutes of listening to the advice giving with tolerance and compassion and, you know. But I think it is important as the group rep or secretary to let that person know it's against our guiding principles to, you know, give advice. And it's right there in the format. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Nancy, go ahead. Thanks. I'll be quick. Um, my goal is to start an in-person meeting uh, eventually. And uh, it, on the website, you make it look really easy. <laughs> so um, is it? Um, it probably depends on where you are. Florida. I mean, so it's easy to start a meeting. It's just finding a play. It's, it's, do you have the people who want to attend the meeting in your area? That's why I asked where you are. Well, I started um, it. Yeah. Started getting some. Yeah. So, you know, you, the, the piece maybe in, in a lot of places is financially, how are you going to pay the rent? Right, because uh, it's going to take a little while to build the, the in-person meeting and you probably are going to have to pay rent at the location. So sometimes we have to say, can I afford to pay the rent for the first couple of months before the donations start coming in? Um, gotcha. I had somebody recently cancel an in-person meeting because they said, I loved it. People were coming, but the donations weren't covering the rent. I got sick of paying the rent after six months and I had to cancel it, even though it was being attended. Uh, mostly by treatment centers who weren't making any donations. <laughs> okay. You know, so, um, is the meeting with you still only fifteen min minutes, or do you have a longer? Yeah, no. Just when you meet with me about starting a meeting, just fifteen minutes. When would you recommend I meet with you? You can like schedule that through the website. I I meet with people on Mondays and Thursdays. Okay. Thanks, Noah. You're welcome, Nancy. Tamika, go ahead. Um, oh, I just wanted to say, like, this is cross-talky, but um, my in-person meetings at a nonprofit, they donate the space to us so we don't have to pay any overhead. Um, so just, 
you know, might be worthwhile to look into trying to see any nearby nonprofits that might be willing to do that. Um, but my question was in addition to about the age thing, like I've noticed that at some, with the very few 12 set meetings I've attended that some people sometimes bring their children. And I had wondered this for our in-person meeting as well. Like it was already answered that, you know, teenagers are acceptable and, what, and whatnot. Is it okay for people to, um, to bring their kids to, to in-person meetings? Um, as far as world services is concerned, yes, but you have to take a group conscience at your meeting to see uh, what the, the meeting feels about it. Okay. Yeah, all up right. to your group. All right, that's all I had. Thank you. You know, some 12-step groups not only let kids come and I mean, there's kids that come to our in-person refuge meetings. There's one woman in particular that always brings her child and they're sitting there drawing and um, some uh, even provide childcare. You know, if a meeting gets big enough to say, hey, we're gonna pay for this, you know, childcare person and there's another room where the kids can go hang in the, uh, in the other room while the adults have the meeting. So that's, that's a great thing to do if the meeting can support it. Yeah. Um, Terry, last one. Thank you, Noah. Hi, everybody. Uh, I just had a quick question. I was wondering if there's any expectation of ever having an app for Androids and iPhones for refuge recovery. I know I would really love to be able to one button push my resources. So I was just curious. Um, I think that the answer is yes. Last year, a couple of people said, hey, I could build an app for you real easy. And I said, cool, go for it. And met with them a bunch of times and said, I want this, 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 and this. We want the meetings. We want the meditations. We want the map. We want the, you know, we want all of it on there. And they said, great. And then they came back and they're like, this is way too much work. We're not, we can't do it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's the problem with, you know, somebody saying, I'll volunteer to do this thing that takes quite a bit of work to do. Uh, rather than, you know, at some point, maybe World Services will have the money to like pay somebody to develop an app for us. But they're a bit expensive to develop from what I understand. Yeah, so, that's all I have. Thank you. Say again? I said, that's all I have. Thank you. Yeah, I think that eventually it'll come, you know, maybe somebody will donate, will say like, hey, here's, I don't know, $50,000 to develop an app. Or, or maybe an app developer will show up and actually say, hey, I want to do this as service for you. So hopefully. Great. Sorry, uh, sorry to go over tonight. Good to see everybody. Thank you. Great questions. Great conversation. Um, it is recorded. Um, there, it will go up on the podcast uh, if you need to revisit it or if there's stuff that was um, addressed here that other people have questions about, you can direct them to the Q&A, the podcast that it will be recorded on. And um, Oklahoma retreat this weekend or this uh, in, in a couple weeks. I think it's sold out, so I shouldn't even announce it. I hope everybody will consider coming to the uh, Refuge Recovery Conference, the annual conference, which is in Northern California in the Redwoods up in Vanessa and Richard. And some of, some of you live in that neighborhood up there. And it's going to be awesome. It's May 5th through 7th, I believe. Um, I hope you come to that. And then if you're on the East Coast, we have a retreat in October, a five-day retreat in the Berkshires. 
um, and then in um, I think November we're gonna September. It's either September or November we're gonna have a seven-day refuge retreat in Southern California in the mountains, a silent seven-day retreat. So some retreat opportunities this year. Hope to see some of you there. And um, thanks for tuning in tonight. May the merit be shared with all beings everywhere. Talk to you. Talk to you next. Thank time. you, Noah. Well, thanks. Refuge recovery is freely offered. If you'd like to make a donation to support us, you may do so by following the link in the episode notes. We appreciate your generosity.